what if as a business i have just a website the website has no cookies no pixels no forms nothing tracking anyone do am i still covered by these privacy laws if you know for sure 100% that you're not collecting any personal information, then that's something you probably don't have to worry about. But be very, very careful about that because you might want to talk to your website developer because there are a lot of features in the back end of a website that collect personal information that you may not know about. So make sure to talk to your website developer and make sure that you are 100% sure that you're not collecting any personal information. Don't just look at the front end, look at the back end as well. Hello and welcome back to the Tech Your Business show, the show where we try to break tech, which is usually seen as really complicated, into something simple and easy to understand for all business owners. Today is another interview. We've had a couple so far. And today we have someone special on the show. For the past couple of years, for Target ICT, we've been paying for to the Information Commissioner's Office for the GDPR, that is General Data Protection Regulations. And I heard, I, I, was on a podca- I was on a podcast, yes, I was listening to a podcast and I listened to Donata's company where they talked about privacy laws being implemented in the US too. So I decided that it would be great to have her on the show. So Donata is a privacy lawyer and now a tech CEO offering privacy compliance as a service. Her company is called Temagedon, and today on the Tech Your Business show, she's going to share her experience and also let us know as business owners how to safely navigate the, the minefield of privacy laws. So welcome to the show, Donata. So first of all, in the intro, I talked about you being a privacy lawyer turned tech CEO and president of Temagedon. So tell us, what does a privacy lawyer do for a business? Sure. Um, So I just wanted to say before we start, um, you know, thank you for having me on the podcast. And even though I am a lawyer, I'm not going to be providing legal advice today. Um, But basically, when it comes to privacy laws, um, any business that's collecting personal information, so any information like names, emails, phone numbers, IP addresses, through features like contact forms, newsletter subscription forms, or analytics, or even advertising, um, should be aware of the fact that there are privacy laws out right now that protect that kind of information. Wow. So... Any type of information. So if they have even just a contact form on their websites, they are covered by these privacy laws. Right. So when it comes to privacy laws, you don't actually have to be um, located in a particular state or country for that privacy law to apply to you. So, for example, like you're in the UK, Peter. Um, So if I'm a U.S.-based business and I offer goods or services to residents of the U.K., or I track their behavior online through features like analytics, pixels, or cookies, um, UK's DPA can apply to me, uh, even if I've never set foot in the UK. And I think that really reflects the difference between privacy laws and other laws. So privacy laws were created to protect consumers and not businesses. And because of the broad nature of the internet, so when you have a website, you could be selling to anyone anywhere, 
or anyone from anywhere could submit their personal information to you, um, you know, you might be subject to privacy laws in other states or countries other than where you're actually located. Wow. All right. So I'm familiar with the GDPR, which covers the EU and the UK. And like I said, we pay about £35 by direct debit a year to the Information Commissioner's Office in the UK. But I heard that there are some laws, new laws, springing up in different states in the US. So can you just tell us some new developments in the area of privacy laws? Sure. Um, So what's cool about the European Union and the United Kingdom is that you guys have GDPR, right? So there's kind of this harmonization of laws across member states. So every member state has a very, very similar privacy law. Maybe there's like very slight variations, but it's pretty much the same. Here in the U.S., we don't have an overarching federal privacy law that protects regular personal information. So like we have HIPAA that protects health information, or we have FERPA that protects student information, or we protect financial information, but there's nothing federally that... Um, protects personal information like names or emails collected by websites. And because we lack a federal privacy law, each state in the United States has taken it upon itself to pass and propose different privacy laws. Um, So that's why you have um, so many states have their own laws. So like California has two laws. Uh, We have Utah, Colorado, Virginia have their own privacy laws. We have Delaware and Nevada having their own privacy laws. And actually, in the last um, month or so, we've seen Iowa, Indiana, Tennessee, Montana, and Texas pass their own privacy laws. So we have what we call a state privacy law patchwork, where every single state has different requirements. And that's really difficult because, you know, when you're a business doing business online, you have to comply with multiple privacy laws. And in the U.S., that's made really, really difficult by each state having its own requirements. Hmm, Interesting. So (laughs) that's really, really interesting. That's almost all 50 states have different laws for privacy. Now, most times we, you build a website or you have a company that has a website and they have this, when they build a website, their terms of service, their privacy policy, they just copy something from Google, paste it there, change the company name and put it off. So doesn't that protect the company from these privacy laws? Yeah, so copying and pasting privacy policies is a really, really big problem. And that's because most people assume that a privacy policy just contains random information, that all you need to do is have a privacy policy that says something, and then you're good to go. Um, And unfortunately, that's really not true, because each privacy law has its own set of very, very specific disclosures that it requires a privacy policy to make. Um, So a great example, like GDPR requires you to disclose the legal basis of processing personal information, while CALOPA, one of California's privacy laws, requires you to state how your website responds to do not track signals. So copying and pasting privacy policies is a problem because you don't know what privacy laws that privacy policy complies with. 
Um, you really don't know whether that uh, policy actually includes all the disclosures required by those privacy laws. So you could be subject to a completely different set of privacy laws than who you're copying and pasting from. And that's a problem because then your privacy policy will not have all those disclosures required by the laws that apply to you and therefore will be non-compliant. Uh, and then also those policies don't automatically update. So when there are changes in the law, like six new privacy laws going into effect this year, that means you're going to have to go back to the policy and pray to God that they actually updated that policy <laughs> with changing legislation, which they probably didn't. Um, and then you have to edit the policy to make sure that it fits your business and privacy practices because it actually has to be accurate to you. So if the policy says you don't share information, but you actually do, you know, then it's not compliant. Um, and then lastly, it's copyright infringement to just steal other people's policies. Um, so I'd really recommend not doing that. It's just, it's going to cost you a lot more time and effort to actually copy and paste policies that could leave you liable for fines and lawsuits. Mm, okay. Well, so what if, as a business, I have just a website, the website has no cookies, no pixels, no forms, nothing tracking anyone. Do, am I still covered by these privacy laws? Do I still need to worry about them? So privacy laws will start applying as soon as you collect personal information. So if you're collecting, you know, names, emails, phone numbers, IP addresses, device identifiers, any of that kind of information, that's when privacy laws will start applying to you. So if you know for sure 100% that you're not collecting any personal information, then that's something you probably don't have to worry about. But be very, very careful about that because you might want to talk to your website developer because there are a lot of features in the back end of a website that collect personal information that you may not know about. A great example is spam prevention or bot prevention or security features. Like some websites will collect IP address just to not allow people from certain areas to access your website because those areas are high risk for hacking of a website, right? So make sure to talk to your website developer and make sure that you are 100% sure that you're not collecting any personal information. Don't just look at the front end, look at the back end as well. Something you mentioned there about collecting information to prevent traffic from high-risk areas just struck me. Because I wanted to know, these privacy laws can be really overwhelming. Like a typical business owner has a lot to worry about on a typical day, and then these privacy laws now come up. So let's say, for instance, a business owner in maybe New York serving only people in New York. Isn't it possible they just block the entire world and leave just New York and focus on New York's privacy law? So a lot of people are tempted to do that. I know a lot of people do that for the European Union. Like if you try to access a website from the EU, sometimes it will tell you we don't offer services to the EU. Um, to try to circumvent privacy laws. There's something about that that's kind of tricky, though, because when you are trying to determine where somebody's from, you have to collect their IP address, usually, um, to figure out what the location they're from. And that's collecting personal information from people in the EU who could potentially subject you to those privacy laws. Um, so it's a very gray area. There haven't been any cases that I know of that kind of determine whether... 
uh, blocking somebody from a particular area is sufficient um, or that it doesn't violate privacy laws, even though you are collecting personal information. So it's a very gray area. Um, and really the best way to kind of approach this, I know there's a lot when it comes to compliance with privacy laws, right? There are a lot of things that you need to worry about and people tend to get really, really overwhelmed by that. And I think the first step that you should do is figure out what privacy laws actually apply to you. Like, don't assume that every privacy law out there applies to you because it doesn't. There are certain factors that you need to meet to figure out what actually applies to you. Um, like, for example, for GDPR, just because my website may accidentally be accessed in the European Union, that's actually not enough for GDPR to apply. Like I need to offer goods or services there or track people there. Um, so make sure you figure out, first of all, what privacy laws apply to you. And then start by kind of taking care of the front end problems, which is, you know, getting a cookie consent mechanism if you need one, getting a privacy policy and preparing to respond to privacy rights requests. And that will take you a huge leap forward in terms of compliance. Yeah, you just mentioned the cookie consent. I, I realized when you're, you're trying to browse websites, especially in the EU, they are really, really annoying. You have cookie banners, <laughs> they're almost unusable. So, you, so you're, you're trying to say that with all the privacy laws, we probably will have all websites around the world having these consent banners on them. So, yeah, not everyone needs a cookie consent banner. Um, so, first of all, you need a cookie consent banner if you need to comply with certain privacy laws only. So that will include GDPR, both EU and UK, um, Pipetta, and sometimes California as well. Um, so first, figure out if those privacy laws apply to you. And then second, you'll only need a cookie consent banner if you have non-essential cookies on the website. So essential cookies are cookies that are necessary to the operation of the website. So without those cookies, the website will break. Um, so any other type of cookie needs consent. So essential cookies do not need consent. If that's all you have, then you do not need to get consent. But if you have other cookies like Google Forms, Google Analytics, reCAPTCHA, you know, any of those types of things, that's when you'll need a cookie consent banner. Um, so that's something to evaluate as well. Like if you have Google Analytics and you've never looked at the results of the analytics, you might want to take it down, especially because it's recently been found to be um, in violation of GDPR as well. Um, so yeah. it's good to do kind of a review of the cookies that you have on your site and seeing what you actually need and what you don't need if you do need a cookie consent banner. Google Analytics, almost everyone has it and almost everyone doesn't use it. Only very few people go look at the data on Google Analytics from my experience. You can also switch to a more privacy-focused analytics tool um, like Matomo Analytics or something like that, um, which does not collect cookies and does not actually collect personal information. So there are privacy-focused alternatives to commonly used products that can help you avoid the cookie consent banner as well. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Interesting. So I'll have a link to that. So for these privacy laws, do they apply to, does the size of the business matter? Do they apply to only big businesses or should businesses with just one, one client or one employee be bothered? 
So some privacy laws do apply to big businesses only, and other privacy laws apply to businesses of any size. Um, GDPR, for example, does not care about the size of your business versus the California Privacy Rights Act does. So you need to make like a certain amount of revenue or collect the personal information of a certain number of residents of that state. Um, so a lot of small businesses assume, well, I'm too small. I don't need to worry about this. That's actually not true. Um, so, for example, a lot of small businesses have been fined under GDPR. Um, if you look at EnforcementTracker.com, that lists all of the GDPR fines to date. It's a very useful resource, and you can see there that quite a few, you know, one-person or two-person businesses have been fined for noncompliance. Um, so, just because you're a small business does not mean that you're exempt. Um, same thing for nonprofits. Um, certain privacy laws do exempt nonprofits, but other privacy laws don't. Um, so again, that's why it's important to actually figure out what laws apply to you, uh, because you may not need to worry about certain privacy laws, but you may need to worry about other ones depending on your business size. So now let's go over to your products, Temagedon. I was actually in the back end last weekend, over the weekend, and I can see it's really, really, really comprehensive because I had to answer so many questions, so many questions from Australia, from everywhere, <laughs> everywhere. So it's really comprehensive. So tell us about Temagedon. You mentioned when I talked about businesses copying and pasting privacy policies from the internet. You mentioned it's been a waste of time. So tell us about Temagedon. Tell us how does it help businesses out of this legal trap of privacy laws? Sure. Um, so what Termageddon does, um, so we're a tool that helps you create your website policies. So we ask you a series of questions. So the first set of questions helps the software determine what privacy laws apply and therefore what disclosures the privacy policy needs to contain. And the remainder of the questions are based around those disclosures. So you'll see that if you select that Australia's Privacy Act applies, then you'll get a different set of questions than if you select that it doesn't apply. Um, and then once you answer the questions, you get the text of the policy. So the policy is actually based on those disclosures and then your actual business and privacy practices. And then you get an embed code. So the embed code is what... Um, well, you copy and paste onto your website's policy pages, and it's what displays the policy itself. And it's also what allows us to make updates as legislation changes. Um, so, for example, this year we have six new privacy laws going into effect. Uh, we can push updates directly to our clients' policies through the embed code um, so that they don't need to worry about it. So what's the advantage of this solution as against getting a lawyer? And what's the disadvantage too? Because I remember at the start, you said none of what you say is um, legal advice. So <laughs> let us know. Yeah. So if you can afford uh, getting a lawyer to write and update your website policies, that's obviously the best solution because they can provide you with legal advice. And we at Termageddon can't because we're not a legal services provider. So if that's something that, you know, you can afford, that's definitely something to do. It's the best way to do it. But what we've seen is that a lot of small businesses can't afford to spend thousands of dollars every year to update their privacy policy or thousands of dollars to create their privacy policy. It's very, very expensive when you hire an attorney. Um, so we're kind of a more affordable solution. Um, and what some of our clients do to kind of get the best of both worlds is they'll create their uh, policy with Charmageddon 
And then they will actually have it reviewed by an attorney. And your attorney can make changes through our system if they would like to do so as well. Um, but our goal is to be a more cost-effective solution for small businesses. Okay. So for small businesses, so you say if they can afford to get a lawyer, that's the better option. And some of them draft the policies and have their lawyers review it, which is a more affordable option to them. So now looking at the different kinds of businesses we have around, what kind of businesses would Semagedon not be suitable for? So there are a couple industries that we don't service. Um, so first is healthcare. Um, so anybody that is collecting protected health information, um, like people's um, you know, diagnoses or prescription history, things like that. Um, we also don't service um, people who um, are banks, um, so anybody issuing loans, issuing credit cards, that kind of stuff. Um, and then, so we're in, um, we currently service U.S., U.K., Canada, uh, and Australia, and Republic of Ireland markets at this time. Oh, okay. So businesses from outside those locations are not um, covered for now, which is understandable. Not because at this time. Apart from the... Because <laughs> apart from those countries, I've I've seen in the news, I've seen a couple of other countries, a couple of other countries to bring up privacy laws. Most of them are similar to the GDPR, but you never know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And we are working for um, to open up compatibility for countries like New Zealand and things like that. But we do want to make sure we do it right. Um, so that's why it takes us much longer than our competitors to get into a market uh, <laughs> because a lot of our competitors will just say, oh, we're available all across the world. But then when you actually check, they don't have any of the disclosures required by those laws. Um, so we try to be more careful with that. Yeah. True. Very true. Very true. So how does a business get Temagedon installed on their sites to replace what they copied and pasted from the internet? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you just go to termageddon.com, T-E-R-M-A-G-E-D-D-O-N.com, and then click register. Um, so you create an account there, and then you um, verify your account and then purchase a license. And then you answer those questions to, um, to create those policies. Um, and then you get the embed codes. And on the embed code page, there are instructions on how to add it um, into the most popular website building platforms. Okay, so you talked about paying for a license. What what does a license typically cost? So one Termageddon license covers one website or one application. It includes privacy policy, terms of service, disclaimer, end user license agreement, and cookie policy and cookie consent banner if you need it. Um, and it's $12 a month or $119 a year. All right, so you get a discount of about two months, if I'm right, if you pay for the year. What's the market done? Yeah. So. Okay, and, and one license covers one website or one app. Yep, that's right. Mm. Now, okay, so let's so let's go back to you. So as a privacy lawyer, what experiences did you have with businesses you dealt with that led you to start Semageddon? I understand you started with your husband, um, Hans. So what experiences did you have? Sure. Um, so when I was a lawyer, I was in private practice. And I had clients ask me to write their privacy policy and their terms of service for their website. And this was before all of the crazy privacy laws went into effect. But really what I noticed is that I was asking them very similar questions like, what information do you collect? What do you do with that information? Who do you share it with? And then I had like 10 templates that I would Frankenstein all together 
And it was just a very tedious process. It was very repetitive. Um, if I can say so, it was a very boring process. I hated it. So I thought, hey, there's got to be a way to automate this. And that's really where Termageddon came from, is me wanting to automate that work. Because a lot of it was just, I don't know, it wasn't really worth my time or the client's time. That portion could be automated, and then I could provide them with legal advice on how to actually comply with privacy laws. Um, and we have a lot of uh, law firm partners now that do the same thing, where they kind of use Termageddon to create their policies for their clients um, and then use that time that they have to provide them with, with better legal advice, which I think is great. Yeah, I understand. Because one, one thing that's really scarce for every business owner is time. Time is a really, pre <laughs> really precious commodity for every business owner. So it's really understandable that this saves your time and saves the business owner time. And everybody's happy at the end of the day. So yeah, um, I, I tried the, yeah, so I, I tried the process for installing it and I realized, okay, we got to the part of the embed code and everything. And apart from business owners who are in the technical space or maybe can use something like WordPress, which is a bit straightforward, it's a bit technical to install it on the websites because you have to mess with the code, especially when you build with things like HTML and PHP and co. So do you, does Temagadon offer help in um, installing this solution for businesses? Yeah, so if any business has any issues with installing the embed code or they're not sure how to do it, um, they can contact our support and we're more than happy to help them implement it onto their site as well. All right. And also, so you're saying once a typical business, a typical small business, like you said, not health, not banking, and none of those ones you don't save, once a typical business has this installed on their site, they're able to forget about the changing privacy laws because you, you your company handles that, updating and changing and making sure the privacy policy is up to date. So we do update the, the, the privacy policy, right? Um, so we do take care of that part for them. But I, I do want to caution people against thinking that they can just forget about new privacy laws because there is more <laughs> to compliance than having a privacy policy, right? Um, so you have to be ready to, um, you know, respond to privacy rights requests or you have to process data in a particular way or you can't transfer it to a particular place. Um, so there's more to compliance than just having a privacy policy that automatically updates as the laws change. But what we do for our clients is whenever a new privacy law is passed, we send them an email notifying them. And then we also send them a compliance guide. So a compliance guide kind of breaks down the requirements of the law so that they can be more familiar with what they need to do to comply. Um, so we do kind of notify you of that. Um, but I do just want to urge people, don't just think you have a privacy policy and, and you're just 100% good to go. You're done. Uh, there are other <laughs> things that you may need to do as well. <laughs> All right. So I'm just hearing of this, of the other things you might need to do. So just give me an example, maybe one or two examples of things that they might need to do apart from just having this privacy policy on their sites, like things that they might see in the compliance guide that you give to them. 
Sure. Um, so the first one would be what privacy rights the, um, the law provides to who. Um, so do, does the law provide a right to delete or the right to correct or the right to opt out of certain things? Um, so that's definitely one example. So if you receive one of those requests and you do need to comply with the law, you should be ready to honor those privacy rights. So if somebody asks you to delete their personal information, you know, unless an exception applies, you should delete it. Um, another thing that people should be aware of is that if you do need to comply with a particular privacy law, a lot of times that law will also say that your vendors need to comply with it as well. So if you have, for example, an email list uh, where you send people email newsletters and you upload that list into like MailChimp or something like that to send email newsletters, um, you need to make sure that MailChimp complies with that law as well because they process that information and they have access to it. Um, so those are just a couple examples or like avoiding dark patterns. So trying not to trick people into consenting or into choosing um, different privacy options than they normally would choose, you know, things like that. Um, definitely something you should be aware of. <laughs> End of the day, everything legal is always really, really, really complicated. And I'm sure that's why we have lawyers at the end of the day. <laughs> That's why I have layers to read all the books, keep up to date. It definitely seems complicated, but when you kind of look at it from a bird's eye view, really privacy laws are trying to prevent the abuse of personal information. So, you know, I'm sure you guys don't have this in the UK, but in the US, we get endless and endless spam, like text messages, emails, phone calls. And it's like never ending. And no matter how much you like say, oh, I don't want to receive this anymore. I'd like to opt out. They still keep on sending <laughs> you stuff. Um, so it's really to, to prevent this kind of harvesting and abuse of data. So I think overall, privacy laws are trying to do the right thing, trying to give consumers more control over their personal information. And that's really the goal here is to allow consumers to make that choice as to what level of interaction they would like to have with you. And funny enough, it still happens because when I check my mail, that's the mail on our website. I get so much spam. <laughs> I don't even know how it gets behind the spam filters. And the funny thing is that this, these people don't put any contact information as, as it's required. So there's no, there, most of the time, there's even no unsubscribe button. You just have the email and it keeps coming and you block it and you filter and it's actually a lot. So I understand yeah. where the privacy laws are coming from, even though they might be painful to the typical business owner. I understand because as a consumer, I'm stressed by those emails. <laughs> so I can't imagine the typical yeah. person <laughs> receiving all that in their mailbox. All right. So as an expert in privacy laws, like I mentioned, you, you've been a privacy lawyer, you're now a privacy tech CEO, and you've experienced it from different angles and with different companies. With all the privacy laws coming up, I know I mentioned before that probably there'll be cookie banners everywhere. So what do you predict the future of doing business on the internet will be? Because I'm aware a lot of people just go online, go to their websites that sell email lists of people. There are dark web places where they hack people's um, details and they sell them for people to do what they call email and all that. What do you feel the future of doing business on the internet will be with these privacy laws springing up? 
So I think in the U.S., what's going to be really popular is regulating targeted ads. Um, that's what all of these new privacy laws regulate. Um, so every single new privacy law states that consumers have the right to opt out of targeted advertising. Um, so that's an area that will be very highly regulated. Um, same thing with profiling that has legal effects on an individual, very highly regulated as well. And then lastly, opting out of sales of personal information. So here in the U.S., that's a very hot topic, is allowing consumers to opt out of sales of personal information. Um, but the issue here is that sales is uh, defined very broadly. So from a consumer perspective, sale of personal information, how most consumers understand it is I have an email list and I sell it to someone and I get whatever, $100 for it. That's how consumers understand sale. But with these new privacy laws, sale is defined much more broadly. Um, so it would include monetary exchange or exchange of anything for value. So for example, if I use Google Analytics and I exchange IP addresses for analytics, that would be considered something of value and could even be considered a sale of personal information. So I think really what's going to be targeted is the sale and sharing of personal information as well. Mm. Sale and sharing. Yes, because that's a really painful and annoying problem to have. I think it kind of reflects that some of these privacy laws are not written in the best way. I think that they did not necessarily include consumer feedback as much um, because some of the stuff that's in these privacy laws isn't really, I mean, it, it, it acts as, as a consumer-friendly thing, but I think it causes more confusion amongst consumers, especially now that we have this privacy law patchwork in the U.S., there's no one set of rules. Like people from Illinois, like I live in Illinois, I live in Chicago, we really don't have any privacy rights unless you're talking about our biometric information like our fingerprint. But if you go to California, then people from California have a lot of privacy rights. So there's a lot of confusion as to who privacy rights actually apply to, who have those privacy rights, what those rights are. Um, so really hoping for a federal privacy law here to kind of clarify things and, and make my job at least a lot easier. That would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's really 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 true that's really really true so at least the updating doesn't have to be as much as it is now so thank you thank you thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing everything almost everything you know about privacy with us so is there anything else i've missed anything that you that the typical business would love to know about privacy that i have not asked about is there anything you'd like to tell the typical business owner listening to this show uh sure i think one more thing is if you have a cookie consent banner on your website it has to be have an accept and a decline option um, so there need to be two options, yes and no. Um, so if your cookie consent banner right now is just okay or is only accept, um, that com consent banner is not compliant because you need to give consumers an actual choice. So there needs to be a yes option or a no option. That's one mistake that I see so many business owners make. There's so many cookie consent banner options out there that are not compliant or don't actually control cookies. It's like a placebo cookie consent banner. <laughs> um, so definitely make sure your cookie consent banner, if you do have one, that it actually controls cookies and that it has a yes and a no option. Thank you. Thank you for that. For business owners who would like to reach you 
who would like to learn more about Termageddon, who would like to replace, like I said, the copied and pasted privacy policies on their sites with the auto-updated version you have on Termageddon. Or maybe they would like to learn more about the privacy laws or hear more from you. How do they reach you? Uh, sure. So you can reach us at termageddon.com, uh, T-E-R-M-A-G-E-D-D-O-N.com. We have a blog that has a lot of really, really great resources. We also have a global privacy bill tracker that tracks all privacy bills. Um, and then you can find us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, any of that um, at Termageddon as well. All right. That's thank you. So anyone listening, those links will be in the show notes. So you can always reach out to Termageddon. You can sign up. You can learn more about it and you can protect yourself with the rapidly changing landscape in privacy. So thank you so much, Donata, for coming on the show. And so everyone listening, bye for now. See you on the next episode.